Yo, what's up, everyone? G Money Stacks here. You may remember me from shows like Off the Meat Rat Chains, New York Avenue podcast, Excellent Fun Vibrant Talks podcast, Sports Edition show, Meticulous Vibe Juice podcast review show. I'm here to talk to you at home about Spotify for podcasters. Why are you wasting and struggling with your money on a hosting site to promote your show with limited storages? Forget about it. Let's break this down. If you are a current Anchor user, don't worry about the changes. Everything will be the same with added new features. Spotify for Podcasters, formerly known as Anchor, is a free hosting site and phone app that gives you old and new creation tools, also provides free hosting with access to record, upload videos from podcast episodes, edit, add music to your show, monetize, Q&A questions, polls, distribute your podcast on streaming platforms tracking analytics plus the show's growth audience from international places canada usa international including long island and the five boroughs of new york and much more you can get money from sponsorship with no minimum listenership spotify for podcasters also offers hosting and a way to upload podcast videos to attract listeners also keep track of the number number of streams these are the important keys to making a podcast if you like to create a podcast and be a guest co-host like myself you can download the free spotify for podcasters app on your iphones android phones ipads android tablets apple mac and dell laptops with windows or check out the website for more information to get a head start on your podcast journey at www.podcasters.spotify.com. If I can reach success, so can you. Take advantage of the opportunity that's thrown in your face. I'm G Money Stacks, aka The Greginator. Thank you for listening to me and the podcast. Let's go.
Yo, good evening, everyone at home from USA, Canada, International, Long Island, aka Strong Island, plus the five spots of Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, Staten Island, and Queens. This is your man, G Money Stacks, aka the Greginator, YouTuber, host with the most, misunderstood and lonely nomad, unstoppable independent podcaster, and of course, Queens, New York native of Laurelton, Queens, New York. And you're rocking and hanging out with me on the 289th episode of Off the Meat Rat Chains New York Avenue podcast. Yes, 289 episodes so far. <laughs> Live and direct from Street Yard alongside with YouTube and Threads, of course. Well, actually, yes, YouTube, YouTube and um and Instagram Live. So make sure you follow the podcast on Instagram alongside with um with doing the same with with YouTube by grabbing the subscribe button for me. Be sure to turn on those notifications and alerts so you can be reminded when the show goes on the air via live stream. Of course, more live video episodes on the page make sure you um make sure you go to um the word where it says live you're gonna see live live episodes on there as well so leave a like and a comment along with the episodes and of course more of your content upcoming episodes previous episodes that's already uploaded and posted to the youtube channel page and also tell a friend to another friend, listen, share, and watch these episodes, download the episodes, share the episodes, share the videos, of course, and tell a friend to another friend, and I'll handle the rest at the end of the show. So, um... Without further without further ado, I'd like to start off with um let me start off with a little warm-up of how I'm feeling right now. Hold on a second. Yes, I want to start off with this one right here. A little mental health check-in for myself, actually. All right, so how I'm feeling mentally, physically, and spiritually, you ask? Well, for the most part, for the most part, I am doing... I'm doing all right, despite the shoulder pain that I've been feeling two days ago. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get as much rest as I can, and everything else in between. Even though I have work the next day, so it doesn't really matter. Hold that thought.
All right. Um, other than that, I am I am hanging in there, taking it one day at a time. All right. That's all I could do. All right. So now that I got that out the way, let's get to. Hold on a minute here. Let's get to the New York Mass Transit Files right now, man. Okay, hold on. Let me give a shout out to somebody who's in the chat. Hold on a second. Shout out to the crew from Foodie Archives Podcast. Make sure you go listen to them on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. And also follow them on Instagram. All right. So there you go. All right, here's what's happening here, according to the AMNY website. A state lawmaker from Brooklyn says the the MTA has bungled the expansion of all train service it announced last month with the promised reduction in wait times not materializing for strap hangers. The MTA said in August that it was adding more trains to the R line during midday hours, reducing time between trains entering stations from 10 to 8 minutes on weekdays. The expansion was just one of the several the agency has undertaken with $35 million set aside in this year's state budget, which also saw a bump in payroll taxes to fund the authority and called for a fair hike, which was completed last month when the cost of subway ride rose to $2.90. Hmm. Yeah, I did talk about that already. Yes. Um, but State Senator Andrew um Andrew Gonades, a Democrat representing Western Brooklyn, including the entirety of the R the R line stretch in Kings County, says Thursday that the NTA had not delivered, accusing the authority of misrepresenting the, the service expansion as Constituents complained of midday wait times reaching 14 minutes at stations. Oh boy. Wow.
After months of hard work in Albany to fight for a rescue plan for the MTA and service improvements for lines, including the R and N, I'm shocked and frustrated that the MTA would misrepresent these service upgrades to the riding public, um, Gennady said in a statement. People need to trust that subways will be reliable and dependable, especially as the MTA is asking for more tax dollars and fare increases to pay for service. I urge the MTA to deliver on these upgrades as quickly as possible and as a, a daily R-trained commuter myself. I promise riders I will hold them accountable until they do. Hmm. Okay. City Council member Justin Brennan, a fellow Democrat repping the R-Train Corridor and an ally of Gnardes, took to X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, and compared, it, compared the MCA to a great vampire squid wrapped around the face of New York, relentlessly jamming its blood funnel into anything that smells like money. A reference to a 2010 Rolling Stone article where Matt um, Matt Tabby famously made the same analogy about Goldman Sachs. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, service expansions on other lines are also under scrutiny. The MCA announced increased weekend service on the G, J, and M lines in July, the first batch of lines to get the new treatment. But the M did not run any service at all over Labor Day weekend as the MTA replaced all switches and tracks and it will not run between Midtown Manhattan and Queens until 2024. Wow. Our trains are were experiencing approximately eight-minute headways during the midday hours on Thursday, largely in line with the new service guidelines. But on Wednesday, some strap hangers were experiencing wait times of more than 19 minutes between all trains, according to MTA data. The MTA says that on average, wait times on the R between 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. have dropped to 8.5 minutes from 10 minutes. It's exciting to have added additional service on eight subway lines in eight weeks, including the R line, where average time for many riders between 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. is down to 8.5 minutes from 10 minutes, said NYC Transit President Rich Davy, and we will reduce wait times even further in 
the coming months after completion of necessary track work. We're grateful to elected officials for their continuing support. Um, average wait times can increase for any of a number of factors, especially the myriad of things that can delay subway service. Trains can and do get snagged by signal failures, switch malfunctions, mechanical issues on trains, fires, crimes, sick riders, disruptive riders, and even goats finding their way onto the tracks, among many other things. New York has one of the most interlined metro systems of any city in the world, meaning different lines frequently share the same tracks at points and merge onto other lines at interlockings. That allows for one seat ride to different destinations from the same starting point, but it also means that failures on one line can cascade throughout the system and cause far-reaching problems. Okay. So right there is some more. Obviously, um, most recently, there's been some um, tall hikes that we need to talk about. First and foremost, let me see who's in here. And shouts to, hold on a second. This is, shouts to DJ Dr. Hollywood, man. I see you. All right. Next, we have tall hikes in effect, which is from fivetownscentral.com. As of Sunday, drivers using major MTA crossings to enter New York City are facing higher tolls due to the recently implemented MTA toll hike. This increase has sparked conversations about the economic economic implications for commuters and the city's transportation infrastructure. The, the toll hikes impact several significant MTA crossings, including the Queens Midtown Tunnel, Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, Verrazano Narrow Bri Narrows Bridge, RFK Bridge, Bronx Whitestone Bridge, and Throgs Neck Bridge. Commuters using ease Easy Pass will experience a 6% increase in toll rates, resulting in approximately 50 cents more per trip. On the other hand, those paying tolls through the toll by mail system and out-of-state Easy Pass users will face a more significant 10% increase, amounting to around $1 extra per crossing. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Okay, that's that has to suck right there.
Okay. Um, so, the decision to raise toll rates has ignited debates about the financial strain on regular commuters and the broader implications for transportation funding in the city. While proponents argue that the increased revenue will support much needed maintenance and improvements to the city's aging infrastructure, opponents are concerned about the additional burden placed on residents and businesses that heavily rely on these crossings. The MTA has defended the toll hike as a necessary measure to secure funds for ongoing infrastructure projects and to ensure the safety and functionality of these essential transportation routes. However, the toll increases have prompted discussions about alternate methods of funding and the potential impact on the overall cost of living and doing business in the city. Hmm. Damn, son. And um, some people chimed in in the comment section, so I'm just going to go over them. So um, this person says, thank you, Senator Patricia Canzoneri Fitzpatrick for making New York even more unaffordable. Useless, and another person says, useless like the other empty suits who ruined New York, make sure you let them again as usual. Um, another person says, MTE has never opened, opened books about intake of money. All the higher-ups are getting salaries that are unheard of, bridges, trains, and now this new tax on driving in different parts of the city. They are pushing people and businesses right out of the city. Um... Another person says, MTA has never opened has never opened the books about intake of money. Yeah, I reread that one. Um, another person says, keep on voting for these Democrats and see what happens. Voting has consequences. These are it. Um, I don't know about all that. The illegal immigrant, the illegal immigrant migrants. Thank you very much for your kind participation in their being here. Your toll hikes will help assist their continued presence amongst us. Another person says, why not use the money collected from all the speed cameras and red light cameras they are putting everywhere you drive? Hmm. And an and another person says, why not use the money collected from all this? Yeah, I already read that part. Another person says, they use most of the money for public transportation and just a drop of it, if any, for the repair and maintenance of the roads and bridges and tunnels. Patricia Kenzo Neri Fitzpatrick is a Republican. She purports to be our voice, but does nothing. She voted for these tolls and sh should be ashamed of herself. Why do we need to pay for all for all of the illegal aliens in New York City? It's shameful. We are paying for food and hotel housing 
for lawbreakers. Lock them up in rackers. I don't know, man. That's not, I don't know, man. That's a tough one right there, which I'm not going to get into. Why isn't Ari Brown issuing a statement on this? Well, I don't know. Anyway, man, next. Next up, we have we have a campaign about subway subway surfers. Let's see. We have a campaign about subway surfers, eh? Okay, let's get into it right here. So the city and MTA launched on Tuesday a new campaign aimed at deterring youth from deadly sub subway surfing, hoping to convince curious adolescents with messages developed and delivered by their peers. The new campaign, Subway Surfing Kills, hold on a second. Yes, Subway Surfing Kills, Ride Inside, Stay sick, stay Alive. Um, Yes, Subway Surfing Kills, Ride Inside, Stay Alive was developed this summer by students at the High School of Art and Design and has already begun rolling out on the 7J, M, and Z lines, all of which have extensive portions of their route on elevated tracks and are popular surfing, excuse me, popular subway surfing spots. Since teenagers, since teenagers tend to do the opposite of what adults suggest, audio announcements at stations are narrated by teens themselves in the hope of, in the hope that their peers might listen. I'm teaming up with the MTA to spread awareness about the dangers of subway surfing, says 16-year-old Manhattanite um, Jerry. Jeranice Correa in a public address announcement playing at elevated subway stops. The consequences are serious and could be fatal. Don't lose your life. Ride inside. Stay alive. Ooh. Yes. Um, I do agree with this, actually. I do agree with this. In addition, in addition to public address announcements, other students, other student created, hang on a second. Yes, other student created media for, for the campaign include digital signage, signage and graphics at subway stations, palm cards distributed at schools and school supplies bearing the campaign's insignia, insignia. Five teens, some as four, young as 14, have lost their lives in 2023 while subway surfing, according to NYPD Transit Bureau Chief Michael Kemper. Prevalence of the dangerous activity is risking. Kemper reported 88 people have been arrested for, for subway surfing in 2023 
a nearly 200% jump from the numbers seen at this point in 2022. Hmm. Despite the fundamental dangers, thrill-seeking adolescents are still drawn to subway surfing, potentially due to a wave of content glorifying it on social media that ends up in their feeds. Mayor Eric Adams admitted to reporters that as a youth, he sometimes hitched a ride on the back of the back of the Q5. But the difference is that while his antics were limited to where they took place, today subway surfing is blasted, blasted to millions of impressionable children. Doing something that's reckless is part of being young. I can only think of some of the dumb things I did as a kid, said his owner. But the difference of now and now and then is that when I did something dumb, it stayed on the block. It stayed on 30, it stayed to 35 people. Um now these children, when they do something. It expands to 35 million people. The MTA says that social media platforms like YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Snapchat have removed over 3,000 videos and photos de depicting subway surfing since this spring at officials' request. In their place, teens will start seeing media associated with the Ride Inside Stay Alive campaign on social media officials say with the companies adjusting their algorithms to get them distributed to the right places end quote we went to the best thinkers around social media and those are our new york city youth mayor adams said there's one thing i learned when i was young if my parents said so if my parents said no, I dis I did yes. And the mere fact that Jen O'Lever and I and the chancellor and the chief tell young people no, that is not enough. It is about peer-to-peer -peer communication, interaction to stop this horrific action that is taking lives. Police have also been developed to, to stops on elevated lines with high incidents of subway surfing, like the, like the seven and the J. Cops also sometimes visit youth at their homes if they see videos of them subway suffering. Milana Blokina, a recent graduate, hold on,
Yes, Melina Blokina, a recent graduate of the High School of Art and Design and a leader of the development campaign, says she has noticed a downtick in content on social media depicting subway surfing and, and hopes the campaign will lead her peers to make informed decisions. I really do feel that at the end of the day, it is important for you to understand the value of, of your life, that it matters, that it's important, that it's something you shouldn't throw away for a thrill or, or for views online, said Blokina. That is hopefully something people will take away from this. I actually agree with I actually agree with this man. I agree. Okay, um all right, let's see. Let's see what we got here. Um All right, on to the next one right here, which is chatting all the jazz right here. Okay. Um, about two months ago during the summer, the sky was yellow. Um, and this is from theconversation.com. Um, this happened over the summer. Um, okay, so here's what's going on here. So Canada's seemingly endless wildfires in 2023 introduced millions of people across North America to, to the health hazards of wildfire smoke while western states have contended with smoky fire seasons for years the air quality alerts across the u.s midwest and north northeast this summer reached levels never seen there before the smoke left the air so unhealthy in philadelphia on june 7th 2023 that the phillies detroit tigers Major League Baseball game was postponed. 
That same week, New York City's residents hunkered down indoors for several days as a smoky haze hung over the city, turning the skies orange and exposing millions of people to the worst air quality in the world. Smoke also drifted into the Midwest, triggering the highest air quality index levels in the Chicago area in at least 24 years, forcing the cancellation of numerous summer activities and leaving residents residents with raspy voices. In several states, people woke up to smoky skies day after day. The pressing question on many people's minds is, is this the new normal? From our perspective as air quality scientists, we think the answer is likely yes. Global warming means more fires. The wildfires, the wildfire smoke of 2023 highlights an emerging air quality trend. The U.S. has seen decades of falling levels of fine particulate matter pollution. PM 2.5, thanks to environmental regulations and cleaner engines, factories, and power plants. Oof. Damn. Yeah, um, let's see. Where was I? Um, climate models predicted this reality as global temperatures rise. Hotter, dry conditions coupled with dry grasses and underbrush that accumulated over decades of fire suppression have, ma- have made large fire, wildfires, excuse me, more common. Computer simulations of the future in a warning, excuse me, warming climate show more smoky days, higher smoke concentrations, large burned areas, and high emissions, which further fuel climate change. While pres- prescribed fire and f- forest thinning can help reduce the number and intensity of fire outbreaks smoke exposure is still likely to increase because of the increases in burned area anticipated as a result of large scale shifts in temperature and moisture in short people will need to learn to live with wildfire smoke it won't be every year but we're likely to see summers like 2023 more often. Um, Fortunately, there are several tools and strategies for managing a smokier future. Preparing for smoky days. Managing the risk of wildfire. Smoke starts with making smart personal choices. Think of smoke waves like heat, like heat waves, they are easier to face if you are prepared and know they are coming. That means 
paying attention to forecasts and having face masks, air monitors, and clean air shelters available. Inhaling PM 2.5 and the chemicals in the wildfire smoke can exasperate asthma, worsen existing respiratory and cardiac problems, and leave people more susceptible to respiratory infection. People caring for, individu for individuals sensitive to smoke, such as young children and older adults, will need to plan for their needs in particular. To prepare, um, read up on the risk, the risks and warning signs from public health professionals. Living with wildfire smoke may mean using air fil filtration devices, wearing N95 or an KN95 mask on bad air bad air days, Mod modifying outdoor commuting patterns and activity schedules and changing household ventilation choices. Um, what schools and communities can do. Living with smoke will also require changes to how schools, businesses, apartment buildings, and government buildings operate. Schools can start with setting a threshold for canceling outdoor activities and making sure staff are ready to meet the needs of kids with asthma. Building managers may need to rethink air filtration and ventilation and deploy air quality sensors. Communicate, excuse me, community, communities will also need contingency plans for festivals and recreation venues, as well as rules for business to protect outdoor workers. Decisions on how to deal with smoke can be complicated. For example, selecting an air purifier can be a daunting task. With over 900 products on the market, the effectiveness of different smoke management interventions are not well known and can vary depending on small implementation implementation details such as how a mask fits the wearer the wearer's face whether exterior exterior doors and windows seal tightly and whether filters and are installed properly and and replaced often enough Improving smoke monitoring and forecasting, the U.S. has an extensive air quality monitoring and forecasting system to help provide some early warning. It uses ground-based air quality monitors, satellite remote sensing systems to detect smoke and fires, and computer systems that tie observations together with wind, chemistry, and weather. These are supplemented by expert guidance from meteorologists. However, for average people trying to make decisions about, about the safety of outdoor activities, the current forecasting system is wanting. This is especially true when smoke blows in from fires far away. 
or when rapidly changing smoke emission rates and complex wind patterns lead to conflicting forecasts and advisories. A few key improvements would go a long way for a practical decision-making around wildfire smoke, like whether to delay the start of soccer practice, knowledge of how fires evolve hour by hour by improve the smoke estimates going into the forecast models. Providing smoke forecast at neighborhood scale can better inform individuals and cities of pending risks. More accurate 10-day forecasts would allow communities to plan. Merging seasonal weather forecasts of precipitation, humidity, and winds with satellite assessments of fuel conditions could enhance emergency planning for firefighters to help anticipate which regions and periods present the highest risk of fire and smoke. Maintaining a strong air quality monitoring network is also important. State and local um, government agencies have reduced the number of ground monitors by about 10% from its peak in 2001 smoke estimates from satellites and how and excuse me and low cost portable sensors can can help but they work best when they can be cross calibrated to a well maintained network of high accuracy monitors we still have a lot to learn more effective adaptations to smoke will require more research to better understand the factors that make some people more vulnerable to harm from smoke, the effects of cumulative impacts of exposures to environmental stressors and smoke over the lifespan and the efficacy and cost effectiveness of adaptations. For example, hold on. For example, clean air shelters, the equivalent to a cooling sensor during extreme heat, are gaining attention, but there is only limited guidance on what constitutes a clean air shelter and where and when they would be used. A government accountability office report called for better coordination to help target resources where they can be most effective. Living with smoke is emerging as a new reality. Next generation tools needs, need to be both clear and resilient to the compound hazards that 
develop when smoke hits simultaneously with other challenges such as extreme heat. Well, okay. Yeah, that was pretty scary for us, man. Hold on one second. Oh man, so so tropical storm Hillary. Okay, Cathedral City, California, and this is from APNews.com. Tropical storm Hillary flooded roads, toppled trees, and forced a rescue by bulldozers of more than a dozen older residents trapped by mud in a care home Monday as it marched northward, prompting floods, prompt, excuse me, prompting flood watches and warnings in half uh, a dozen states. The Natural Hurricane Center in Miami said Hillary had lost much of its steam Um It has lost much of its steam and only vestiges of the storm were heading over the Rocky Mountains. But it was warned that continued life-threatening and locally catastrophic flooding was expected over portions of the southwestern U.S. following record-breaking rainfall. Forecasters said the threat for following, no, excuse me, the threat for flooding in states further, farther, excuse me, north on Monday was highest across much of southeastern Oregon into the west central mountains of Idaho with potential thunderstorms and localized torrential rains on Tuesday. Hillary first slammed into Mexico's and and Baja. Wait a minute. Is it Baja or Baja? Whatever. Um, California Peninsula as a hurricane, causing one death and widespread flooding before becoming a tropical storm. One of several potential potentially catastrophic natural events affecting California on Sunday. Besides this tropical storm, which produced tornado warnings, there were wildfires wildfires, and a moderate earthquake north of Los Angeles. Damn. Damn, son.
Okay. Um, so far, no deaths, serious injuries, or extreme damages have been reported in the state, though officials warn that risks remain, especially in the in the mountainous regions where the wet hillsides could unleash must mudslides. Oh boy. Oh boy. That's gotta suck though. Yeah, um Okay, um Okay. Okay. In one dramatic scene, rescue officials in the desert community of Cathedral City near Palm Springs drove a bulldozer through mud to the Swamp Care home and rescued 14 residents by scooping them up and carrying them to safety. Fire Chief Marsh Fire Chief Michael Contreras said they were among 46 rescues the city performed between late Sunday night and the next afternoon from mud and water standing standing up to five feet, which is 1.5 meters. Hmm. Yeah, 1.5 meters. We were able to put the patients into the scoop. It's not something that I've ever done in my 34 years as a firefighter, but disasters like this really cause us to look to, hold on, this disaster, but disasters like this really cause, cause us to have to look at those, um, those means of rescue that aren't in the book and that we don't do every day, he said at a news conference. Um, to the Northwest in the San Bernardino mountains, crews worked to clear mud that blocked the homes about of about 800 residents. Cal Fire Battalion Chief Allison Hesterly said, in the mountain community of Oak Glen, Brook Horsepool helped dig out a home surrounded by about four feet, 1.2 meters of mud to free a couple, including an older man with medical issues. San Bernardino County first responders were also were continuing to rescue some 30 people who became stranded when the Santa Ana River overflowed near Seven Oaks, another mountain community. Authorities said boulders in the flow made it too dangerous to send boats to send boats so the people stayed overnight. Boulders, in other words, for those of you who may not know what that is, it's basically rocks, falling rocks. Um, on Monday, a helicopter rescued 
one person with a leg injury and efforts to retrieve the others were expected to continue into Tuesday morning, although some people refused to fly out and wanted to wait for the flood waters to recede, authorities said. Authorities also say a woman was un unaccounted for after witnesses saw her trailer swept away in a flash flood. Amid the storm Sunday in Palm Desert, Terry Flanagan heard a huge crash and then got a text from a neighbor that a eucalyptus tree more than 100 feet, 30 meters tall, fell onto a condo across the street. She later learned it landed on the bed of her neighbor's 11-year-old son, who was luckily was in another room. It was unnerving. It was very unnerving, Flanagan said, adding that the family had gone to stay with relatives while removals, removal crews came Monday morning to remove the branches. Oh my gosh, what could have happened? Hillary is just the latest major weather event to wreak havoc across the U.S., including Canada and Mexico. Hawaii's island of Maui is still reeling from a blaze that killed more than 100 people, making it the deadliest U.S. fire in more than a century, which I previously talked about. I didn't think it was going to be more than 100. Firefighters in Canada are battling that nation's worst fire season on record. Hot water and hot air were both crucial factors that enabled Hillary's rapid growth, steering it, steering it on an unusual but not quite unprecedented path that dumped rain in some normally bone-dry places. It shattered daily rain totals in places and lightly dumped the equivalent of a full year's worth on Death Valley National Park, force, forcing the park to be closed indefinitely and leaving about 400 people sheltering at Furnace Creek stovepipe wells and Panamint Springs until roads could be made passable passable park official said rain came in two bursts on sunday in the morning and evening totaling 2.2 inches which is 5.6 centimeters at a national weather service rain gouge at furnace creek if varied if verified it would be the single rainiest day in the area's history beating its record of 1.7 inches, 4.3 centimeters, set August the 5th, 2022. Park officials 
um, responded Monday to sewer line damage, releasing raw sewage into the desert below stovepipe wells. Sunday was the wet the wettest day on record in San Diego with 1.82 inches, which is 4.6 centimeters. The NWS said in a post on X, formerly known as Twitter, which I will get to next. The previous record was on August 17, 1977, when 1.8 inches, um, which is 4.5 centimeters of rain fell in the area post-Hurricane Doreen. We basically blew all of our previous rainfall records out of the water. National Weather Service meteorologist Elizabeth Adams in San Diego told the Associated Press, scientists still don't know why some storms like Hillary get a, get big and some stay small, said MIT hurricane scientist Carrie Emanuel. It's quite, it's quite unusual for an Eastern Pacific storm to be so large since they are usually small and stay deep in the tropics, said University of Albany atmospheric scientist Kristen Corbosio. Corbosio, an expert on Pacific hurricanes. The wet weather might start might stave off wildfires for a few weeks in Southern California and in parts of the Sierra Nevada. Um, but widespread rain is not expected. Not expected in the mist in the most fire-prone areas, University of California, Los Angeles climate scientist Daniel Swain said in an online briefing morning. 
in the Coachella Valley city of Desert Hot Springs, Stephen Michael um, Chacon said the roads in the housing department where he and his husband live were impassable due to flooding and he was concerned emergency crews might not be able to reach people. Basically, everybody's got to stay put. There's no way in or out, he said Monday morning. The censor of Hillary passed over downtown Los Angeles at 7 p.m. Sunday, according to the regional weather office, which called it a day for the ages in Southern California. Um, Los Angeles was tested, but we came through we came through it and we came through it with minimal impacts considering what we endured. City City Council President Paul Krikorian said a tropical storm last roared into California in September 1939, ripping apart train tracks, tearing houses from the, their foundations and capsizing many boats. Nearly 100 people were killed on land and at sea. As Hillary moved east into the neighboring state of Nevada, flooding was reported, power was out, and a, and a boil water order was issued for about 400 households in the Mount Charleston area, where the only road in and out was washed out. The area is about 40 miles, which is 64 kilometers west of Las Vegas. Southern Texas was also preparing for the arrival of a separate tropical system that was expected to bring badly needed rain, but also possible flooding. The, nation, the National Hurricane Center said tropical storm conditions could arrive to coastal areas by early Tuesday, including near the U.S.-Mexico border, where some residents grabbed sandbags in preparation. In the Caribbean, meanwhile, Tropical Storm Franklin churned on Monday near Haiti and the Dominican Republic. The story has been updated to correct that Hillary was not the first tropical storm to hit Southern California in 84 years. Um, Aunt Zach and Stephanie Dazio reported from Los Angeles and Watson from San Diego, Associated Press reporters Eugene Garcia in Cathedral City. Ken Ritter in Las Vegas, Will uh, Weissert in Washington, Frieder Fasaro in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Kurt Anderson in St. Petersburg, Florida, and Walter Berry in Phoenix contributed to this report. Okay, um, let's see. Yeah, this is some terrible shit, though, man. Okay, so let's get to um, what else, man? Oh, wow. 
I think I talked about this one already. The yellow sky wildfires. I talked about that already. Um, let's see. Okay, so let's get to. Hang on a second here. Hang on a second here. Okay, so it's been a recent storm that happened in New Jersey. Okay, severe storms moved out of the tri-state area Friday evening, but the damage has been done, especially in New Jersey. In, in this edition of in this is in this edition of Eyewitness News Extra Time, we detail the storm damage. A lightning strike sparked a house fire in Bogota, Bogota, New Jersey. Neighbors say they saw lightning and heard thunder right before the flames broke out. Damn, son. Damn. So a little bit further north in Hillside, large pieces of hail fell from the sky, blanketing the ground. And there was a terrifying situation for children in Carmel, in Carmel, New York, where a tree fell on a school bus in addition to several power lines. Damn. Fortunately, all the kids were okay. Here are some, here are the other major headlines. Well, wait, I think, well, wait a second, man. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah, that's crazy. And I meant to do this topic in regards to the NYC school bus drivers. Um, so so students was wait a minute 
So the NYC school bus drivers will not strike on Monday, Chancellor says. Students will start next week without the threat of a school bus strike on Monday. New York City schools Chancellor David Banks said that announcement on Friday came as a sigh of relief for the parents of up to 80,000 students who could be impacted by a strike. Despite the good news, a strike could still happen sometime later next week. But city officials do not expect one do not expect one as talks continue continue between the drivers union and the school bus companies. Hmm. Yeah, that's good news right there, man. That's good news right there. That's good news, man. Um, let's see. Let's see. Um Yeah, we need to get to we need to get to the whole root of why Twitter got changed to X. We need to get into I'm gonna get into that right now. This is crazy, man. Yeah, we need to get into it right now. Okay. So this is from the street website. Um we need to we need to talk about the we need to talk about Twitter being switched to X. Okay, so <laughs> um okay. So when Elon Musk infiltrated Twitter users in April 2023 by removing the verified blue check marks from the accounts of celebrities, athletes, politicians, CEOs, and the media who wouldn't pay $8 a month for them. Many of those people, many of those people were quick to criticize Musk for his decision. Some of those prominent people like Los Angeles Lakers basketball star LeBron James actor Holly Berry and best-selling suspense author Stephen King said at the time they would proudly join um other Twitter users and not having the blue check mark. Hmm. <laughs> this is an epic fail, man. I'm sorry. This shit is an epic fail to me. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry, man, but this is an epic fail to me, man. Like, like seriously, seriously. <laughs> this is an epic fail, man. I'm sorry, man. Like, why? Like, why would you do? Why would you switch that shit? Yeah. So let's see. The billionaire CEO of of Tesla, um, Get Free Report, however, said in a tweet that he paid 
for three celebrity blue checks, including actor William Shatner, James, and King. The author tweeted his dissatisfaction after seeing a message claiming this account is verified because they are subscribed to Twitter Blue and verified their phone number. King said he did not pay for a subscription and had not given his phone number. Musk, Musk, Musk purchased X, formerly known as Twitter, in October 2022 for $44 billion and incurred $13 billion in debt when the deal closed. He said he made the blue check mark decision because of advances in artificial intelligence, which enabled bots to successfully pass themselves as pass themselves off as humans. Musk said he would give priority to verified accounts to limit the proliferation of bots on social media. <laughs> no social media network because it has ensured that the people and groups behind those accounts who accounts are who and what they say they are okay thousands of imposter accounts popped up overnight causing chaos and major problems especially for public companies when public no excuse me when musk launched the idea back in november that anyone could purchase a blue check regardless of verification must reverse the idea quickly two days after the launch of the new version of blue and suspended signups on November 11th. Changing social media platforms name logo but Musk wasn't finished tinkering with the multi-billion dollar toy. In April the billionaire quietly changed the name of Twitter Inc. to X Corp. And on July 24th, Musk killed both the icon of Blue Bird logo and Twitter name, replacing them with a new name, with a new X name and logo. Musk in March 2023 estimated X's value at about $20 billion. And a month later, Fidelity said the company's value had fallen to. $14.41 billion. The company reported $5.5 billion in revenue in 2021, $4.4 billion in 2022, and is expected to finish 2023 with $3 billion. Wow. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh boy.
Okay, um, whether changing the company's iconic name and logo will successfully turn around X is still yet to be seen, but the name change has still ruffled the feathers of prominent people. I'm pretty sure it has. Yes, it has ruffled some feathers, though. Yes, it has. Um, let's see. Um, for science, for science fiction, horror, and suspense, Arthur King, billionaire Elon Musk is renaming his social media platform Twitter as X is a name he apparently does not plan to recognize or accept. In that case, King might prefer that Musk maybe refer to his company as X the Unknown, a 1956 science fiction horror film starring Dean that, no, excuse me, Dean Jagger. Um, King on July 27 tweeted his thoughts on the name change with a message Twitter, 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 Twitter. And in case you didn't get that, so yeah, that's crazy, man. <laughs> I'm literally laughing because this name change is so fucking ridiculous. It's ridiculous right now. That shit is so fucking ridiculous, though, man. Um. Well, <laughs> not as ridiculous as cocaine sharks. <laughs> oh man. Oh my gosh. Let's see. And this is from the New York Post, actually. So. Um, so this gives new meaning to the words great white, the new discovery special, um, cocaine sharks. I'm pretty sure y'all remember the movie cocaine bear, right? Now there's cocaine sharks. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Cocaine sharks investigates. Rumors of rampant recreational cocaine <laughs> used used by strung out sharks, strung out sharks in the Florida Keys, getting high on millions of pounds of nose candy dumped into the waterway via the area's illicit drug trafficking trade. Oh boy! Oh my lord! That's crazy. Ah! How dumb do you have to be, man? Ah! <sighs> That's so dumb, man. <laughs> Oh man. 
Oh my goodness. That is so dumb. Anyway, um, let's continue where we left off here. Wait a minute, where did I leave off? Um All right, where did I leave off here? I firmly believe, and it's not just a chance of probability, that a shark will come across a floating bale of cocaine and take a bite. Tom the Blowfish heard, who hosts the show as part of Discovery's annual Shark Week, told the Post, What's interesting is that the sharks we saw weren't right. They weren't just so. They seemed a little bit off. Now that was very interesting, said Heard, a, a, a renowned marine biologist. <laughs> One thing for sure, we had a, a couple of sharks behaving strangely. And while it may be, it may not be cocaine. Nothing suggests it that it wasn't. In the special premiering um, July 26th at 10 p.m., Heard and scientist Dr. Tracy Finera dive into the waters off the Florida coast, attracting tiger sharks, hammerheads, and lemon sharks, some of which exhibit unusually aggressive behavior. Others, as Heard says on air, appears to have the spins are slightly twisted or are tweaked as a junkie shark might be if it ingested cocaine. <laughs> oh, man, no. That's a bad idea. To see if sharks will attack bales of cocaine <laughs> dropped into the water from above, which is how the Florida Keys coke um ends up there herd and finera toss bales filled with fish powder aching to the stimulant dopamine found in coke into the water then watch oh boy then watch um as super feisty sharks of all shapes and sizes greedily grab the bales and swim away ignoring the decoy Fake swans. Hmm. Okay. Um. Let's see. It is as heard told the post a siren call for the beast who would rather grab a foreign object than feast on a living creature. We know that cocaine acts as an 
anal gest gestic and anesthetic anesthetic to ex to to some extent. So certainly, if a shark got a hold of a big lump of coke, just like a human, I think the the first thing that would happen is that its gills would be numbed. Her said, but we have no idea what might happen <laughs> if they might become very agitated and much more unpredictable or if they get stoned becoming lethargic and disinterested in food there are there really no there really are no guidelines to what may happen while sharks have yet have not yet been tested for cocaine consumption salmon have and as seen in cocaine sharks they get extremely hyper when exposed to cocaine <laughs> oh boy that is the stupidest idea i ever heard man what a what, these dumbass come up with these ideas meanwhile her said that studies in the uk under undertaken at 15 sam, sampling sites along london's river thames showed some startling results vis-a-vis -vis fish and drugs at each one of those 15 sites they found shrimp and each shrimp contained cocaine he said <laughs> Damn. oh shit oh man I was not aware of local stories in the Florida Keys about sharks getting getting on cocaine and going on a three-day bender. <laughs> but the minute the cocaine sharks production company brought this idea to me and asked me if it was legit, I said, "Yeah, it, it totally is." We knew, we knew, <laughs> we knew then and there that we had a great story to tell. That. At its end, has an important conservation message and will hopefully spur a bit more research in this area. Ooh. Okay. This is crazy, man. You know what happens when people, when animals and, and, and people are on cocaine, right? Speaking of sharks being on high on cocaine, which is a bad idea alongside with the cocaine bear shit. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's really unbelievable, man. People come up with bad ideas and shit. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding, which is crazy. I am not kidding. Um, let me see. What else? What else? Um,
And speaking, speaking of which, let's go to, let's go to, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese, man. All right, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese, man. All right. Hold on. Okay, so this is from FreshersLive.com. Okay, so discover the latest updates on, on Chuck E. Cheese's status and find out if Chuck E. Cheese Chucky E. Cheese has shut down or is going out of business and also get also get the current info. Wow. Wait a minute here. <clears throat> the Chucky E. Cheese shut down. Chucky E. Cheese faced financial challenges and had to close a number of its locations. The company filed for, for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in June 2021. Excuse me. June 2020 to address the financial status strain caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, which led to the temporary closure of its venues and a significant loss of revenue. While the company has not has not completely shut down, it has um, permanently closed a number of Chucky E. Cheese cheese locations as part of its efforts to reorganize and overcome financial difficulties the closures have been announced periodically and the company has been taking steps to adapt and navigate the changing business landscape however it is important to note that hang on a second Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah. Um, yes, um. Yes, cheese cheese locations as part of its efforts to reorganize and overcome financial difficulties. The closures have been announced periodically, and the company has been taking steps to adapt and navigate the changing business landscape. However, it is important to note that the situation may have evolved since the time of this search result, so it would be advisable to check for the latest updates for the status of Chucky Chucky no Chuck E Cheese locations as part of his efforts to navigate the difficulties brought on by the pandemic Chuck E Cheese's parent company CEC Entertainment filed for bank, for chapter 11 bankruptcy in June 2020 the bankruptcy filing aimed to give the company the opportunity to restructure its debts, renegotiate leases, and ultimately emerge as a stronger and more financially stable entity. As a result of the bankruptcy proceedings, the need 
to adapt to changing the market conditions. Chuck E. Cheese permanently closed a number of its locations. These closures were part of the company's strategic restructuring plan, which aimed to focus resources on locations that were more financially viable and better aligned with the changing landscape of the entertainment industry. It is worth noting that the closures were not limited to Chuck E. Cheese locations alone. Many businesses in the entertainment and hospitality sector faced similar challenges during the pandemic and had to make difficult decisions regarding their operations. As the situation continues to evolve, it is advisable to check for the latest updates on the status of specific Chuck E. Chuck E. Cheese locations before planning a visit. The company has been actively working to adapt and find new ways to, to engage with its cup with, with its customers, including offering delivery and takeout options, enhancing sanitation protocols, and exploring virtual entertainment experiences. Um Contrary to rumors, Chucky E. Cheese is not on the brink of closure. Despite facing financial challenges in recent years, the company has taken proactive measures to enhance its business operations and restore profitability. In June 2020, Chuck E. Cheese filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection, leading to the permanent, clo- the permanent closure of around 34 locations that were affected during the initial phases of the pandemic. It's important to note that this closure does not signify the complete shutdown of the entire franchise. The company expressed its commitment to maintaining um, operations across the majority of its establishments throughout the bankruptcy proceedings. The, the Chapter 11 filing was a strategic move aimed at restructuring debt and revising a long-term strategy for sustainable growth. By July 2021, Chucky E. Cheese has successfully reopened several of its branches in states like California, Texas, Florida, Texas, and New York. The official website and Bing search um, results can provide further insight into upcoming events and promotional activities. The company has has also implemented safety protocols, including temperature checks, mandatory hand sanitization and reconfigured game areas to ensure the well-being of 
both patrons and staff. In January 2021, the parent company of Chuck E. E. Cheese, CEC Entertainment, emerged from bankruptcy after completing an extensive financial overhaul that included um, settling a substantial $705 million in million dollar debt. Hmm. You know that. Um, additionally, the company secured two hundred million dollars in fresh funding to support its operational endeavors and future growth initiatives. David McKillops, the CEO of CEC Entertainment, expressed enthusiasm about the company's rejuvenated standing and its determination to provide a distinct distinctive experience for patrons across its global network. Hmm. Okay, let's see. All right, um... All right, let's get into let's get into let's get into all right, let's get into oh boy, there's fifty cent. Wait. Okay, let's get into 50 Cent. We're going to get into 50 Cent. All right. Um, hold on a second, folks. Let me get rid of this. Okay. All right, so California prosecutors agree with fit with rapper 50 cent after he claimed los angeles is finished after the city reinstated its no bail policy comments made by by the get rich or die trying rapper went viral last week after he retweeted a local news segment discussing the policy which states cops will no longer detain suspects who commit non-violent crimes like theft shoplifting drug use and vandalism Hmm. Um, in his comment, the rapper turned business mogul wrote, LA is finished. Watch how bad it gets out there. Shaking my head. LA Deputy District Attorney John McKinney, who was featured in the news segment, told the Post he was glad the rapper's comments reignited the debate around the controversial issue. I thought it was refreshing to have a celebrity from whatever walk of life to have the courage to speak against the trend of anti-law enforcement rhetoric that we hear, McKinney told the Post. Hearing the litany of crime after crime that's taking place in our streets was shocking to people. Um, 
Social media is flooded with examples of battery after battery, but our policies are moving in the opposite direction to what is playing out in our streets and what people are seeing on their television. The no bail policy was first implemented in Los Angeles during COVID, during the COVID slandemic shutdown in 2020 to ease crowded city and county jails. Suspects arrested for nonviolent crimes were immediately released without having to pay bail before their arraignment. California law allows judges to set bail based on the defendant's criminal record and the seriousness of the crime. The policy was reinstated in May at the Los Angeles County Superior Court Judge Lawrence Riff ruled in favor of a group of activists who sued the county who sued the county and claimed they had suffered under the cash bail system. Hmm. <sighs> cash bail system. Cash bail system. Hold on a second. Okay. Riff invited city leaders such as LA County District Attorney George Gascon, LAPD Police Chief Michael Moore, and LA County Sheriff Robert Luna to testify as to why he shouldn't issue the order, but none participated. Given the politics of LA County today, it didn't shock me that none of our local leaders had the courage to challenge the idea that people should not be released without bail under any circumstances, said McKinney, who is one of the candidates running against Gascon in the November 2024 race. The notion that our bail laws could be unfair as applied was worth a conversation, and I do think some changes to the system needed to be made. But what we have today are judges who are making these decisions without any real guidance or any kind of principle guidance that would lead to consistency throughout the state. Damn.
Okay, Crime Riddle San, San Francisco also had a similar policy under progressive DA Chesa Budin, who was ousted by Brooke Jenkins in a recall. Jenkins' policy, while similar to her predecessor, allows cash bail in a rare and limited misdemeanor cases. A study released in February by the YOLO, <laughs> the YOLO, <laughs> YOLO, oh wow, YOLO County uh, District Attorney's Office found um, repeat offenders who were released under a zero bail policy reoffended more often and were more likely to escalate to violent crimes. Suspects who were released on zero bail were also re rearrested at a higher at a much higher hold on a second at a much higher um rate than those who were released on bail according to the report 50 cent who who has notably always been based on the East Coast and is a New York rapper with a few ties to Los Angeles. Recent viral tweets, a viral tweet even garnered support from the Los Angeles County Association of Deputy District Attorneys. Orange County District Attorney Todd Spitzer also agreed with 50 cents assessment over rampant crime following the Nobel policy. His advice is at least worth $1. But my question is, where has he been this whole time, Spitzer, quit to Fox News? I'm I'm not a listener of 50 Cent, but he has a lot of influence and a lot of followers. And it's about time the music industry and the Hollywood elite get their arms around the, this problem and start to speak out. Okay. Okay, next we have, yeah. Okay, this is not a bad idea at all, actually. Not a bad idea, actually, if you will. Um, okay, what else we need to talk about here? There's some stuff that I need. To, yes, so let's go to. Oh, wait, Mayor Eric Adams announced a new pick of NYPD commissioner. Yes, yes, um, yes, we'll go to that right there. Okay. All right. Mayor Eric Adams is set to name acting police commissioner Eric Caban to the helm of the NYPD this week, marking marking the appointment of the city's first top cop of Hispanic descent. The Post has learned Adams is expected to announce that Caban will remain the NYPD's top cop and drop the interim title 
Monday morning at the 40th Precinct in the Bronx, where he began his 30-year career with the department, multiple sources said Sunday. Um, Kaban was named... Hang on a second. Kaban was named acting commissioner of the nation's largest police force July 1st, following former cop... Um, former top cop... Um, Keechan Sewell's surprise resignation in June. Commissioner Caban is a consummate professional with over three decades of service in the NYPD, Adams said in a statement at a time at the time. I know the hardworking men and women of our city's police department have a strong leader in, in place until a more formal announcement is made in the coming weeks. The Bronx site was the first deputy commissioner of the NYPD, second in command to Sewell um, before the leadership switch up. He was promoted to the second highest ranking spot by Adams, a former cop himself who is close to Caban. Um, in his most recent role, Caban took the lead in policy development, personnel management, Recruit and in service, recruit and in service training and overall supervision of the discipline system, according to the NYPD. The new top cop was raised in the Bronx and joined the NYPD in 1981 when he was first assigned to the 40th precinct. He worked his way up to sergeant in just three years and later rose to inspector. He was accused of cheating on his sergeant's exam nearly 30 years ago, along with more than two dozen other aspiring sergeants, according to police files obtained, obtained by the Post last year. He was eventually found not guilty in the cheating scandal and continued to rise through the ranks of the department throughout his career. Okay. Okay. Um. Let's see. Throughout his career, hold on a second. Okay, um, oh boy, what the hell? All right. Um, Caban's father, Juan, was an NYC transit police detective who also served as the president of the Transit Police Hispanic Society at one point in his career. The new commissioner is married to Lady Caban, 
and has two children, Edward and Ava. Several Hispanic lawmakers were invited to attend Adams' Monday morning announcements. Sources said City Hall and the NYPD didn't immediately return requests for comment. Okay, that's pretty good news that they hired a new commissioner. That's good news. Yeah. Um... Okay, what else we got to talk about here? Hold on a second. We have... Okay, so... Of course, obviously, the name of the episode is called I Want Candy, which is dedicated to National Candy Day. So, National Candy Day. Okay, so we hope your sweet tooth is ready because November 4th is National is National Candy Day. All right? Yeah, November, yeah. November 4th is National Candy Day. These sweet and sour treats have been our favorite snacks since childhood. Whether they are hard, chewy, fruit flavored, or a melt in your mouth, not in your hand, soft sort of treat candy has been a consistent source of happiness and as we get older, nostalgia. Okay. Um... All right. Um, so the history behind National Candy Day. The story be the story of candy begins in India between the sixth and fourth centuries um, BC. The Persians and Greeks learned that the people in India had what they called reeds that make honey without bees. These reeds were actually sugarcane, which is indigenous to Southeast Asia. Ancient Indians would boil sugarcane juice, turning it into individual pieces of sugar, which they called kanda. Before sugarcane was domesticated outside of Asia, honey was used in ancient China, the Middle East, Egypt, Greece, and Rome to coat fruits and flowers, which would preserve them and turn them into a form of candy. Before the Industrial Revolution, candy was used as medicine to either calm the digestive system or cool the throat. In the Middle Ages, candy was mostly consumed by the wealthy and was made of sugar and spices to aid digestive problems, which were very common as food was neither fresh nor 
balanced. Candy first came. Yes, candy first came to America in the 18th century from France and Britain. Very few colonists were skilled in sugar work, meaning only the wealthy were able to enjoy these new treats. In the 1830s, when the Industrial Revolution was in full swing, technological advances allowed candy to be accessible to more than just the rich, including a new market specifically for children. While some artisan sugar workers remain, candy stores were becoming an American staple, especially in the lives of children across the country. Penny candy became the first thing a child would spend their money on and candy store owners rallied mostly on the business of children and families to keep them running okay so so um 1817 um butterscotch 1883 saltwater taffy 1941 m&ms 1960 starbucks um, not even gonna really. Should I? Um. Okay. So sixty-five percent. The sixty-five percent. The percentage of the total candy produced that is consumed by Americans over the age of eighteen. Candy by numbers. Um, 36 million, the number of the heart-shaped boxes of chocolate that are sold on Valentine's Day. 1800s, the, pe the period when physicians commonly prescribed chocolate to patients with broken hearts. 1875, the year when Daniel Peter and Henry Nestle created milk chocolate. 2.8 billion pounds, the amount of chocolate consumed in the United States each year. 22 pounds, the average amount of candy consumed by consumed each year by Americans. Two ounces, the amount of milk chocolate that is poisonous for a 10-pound puppy. $7 billion, the amount spent on chocolate each year. 20, 25 pounds, the amount of candy eaten by eaten per person per year in the United States to the number of M&M's M's on M&M's that stand for Mars and Murray. That's for you folks out there that don't know what it stands for. Now, how to... Wait, hold on a second. Some activities. Of course, you could buy candy from a friend, make your own, try something new. <clears throat>
All right. Um, give sweets to sweet. Give sweets to be sweet. Nothing says um, have a great day better than a box of colorful candy. How about making your own candy for a change? Candy is made by boiling sugar in water or milk until it starts to cam cam caramelize. Find a recipe that strikes your interest and make it at home. Um, we all have our go-to candies, but next time you are at the shop, try the candy you always look at but never actually pick pick up. It might be a new favorite. <clears throat> oh my gosh. Cotton Candy's original name, Fairy Floss, was the original name of the cotton candy. Snickers was a horse. <laughs> the Snickers candy bar was named after Frank Mars' family horse. Oh, wow. Chocolate's um, comforting properties. The ancient Aztecs believed that chocolate was not was an aphrodisiac. <sighs> candy is healthy. Some candies, such as gummy bears, lollipops, and sour balls, are cholesterol-free, making them a healthy treat. The Swiss love their chocolate. The Swiss consume more chocolate than any other country in the world. Okay. Why we love National Candy Day, you ask? It's delicious. Um, it's delicious, of course, which includes um, a king size Kit Kat bar. If you never had a king size Kit Kat bar or pack of Sour Patch Kids, then you haven't lived. Candy is great, and a story. Um, childhood nostalgia from crushing piatas at birthday parties to passing out Hershey's kisses. For Valentine's Day, candy was a big part of our childhoods. No matter how much we grow, candy will always bring back those special memories. And, of course, um, it improves your mood. Yes. Happy, sad, it doesn't matter. Candy is used by many people as a way to boost happiness. It has a natural knack for lifting our moods. So this year, Saturday, November 4th, um, and of course, next year, Monday, November, November 4th, 2024, 2025 will be a Tuesday, 2026 will be, will be a Wednesday, 2027 will be on a Thursday, November 4th, which is the same date. Okay. So there you have it right there. All right. So let's get into... Let's get into um, all right. All right. Um, okay, this caught my attention um, a while back, actually. Actually, two months ago, actually, when I saw this, but I added this as a topic. But anyway, um, According to ET Online, 
Um, the singer confronted a concert goer after spotting him getting physical with a woman in the crowd. Monica is not having any violence at her show. Over the weekend, during a, a performance at the Detroit's Riverfest Music Festival, the Soul Garden singer stopped mid-performance to confront a man who allegedly, who allegedly, who allegedly hit a woman in a crowd. Okay, that's something that you're not supposed to do. Of course, I'll be mad if that's if that happened. Okay, um, oh boy, okay, let me just, I'm going to finish this. In video, in, hold on, in videos captured by fans, Monica begins to sing, wait, wait a minute, repeatedly in the microphone before becoming visibly um, visi visibly agitated, excuse me. Um, <clears throat> the singer walks to the end of the stage and says, no, don't you hit her like that before jumping off of the stage and walking into the direction of the scuffle. Monica's security begins to surround her as she says in as she says into the mic, you don't hit no fucking lady like that. A few short moments later, Monica is lifted back on stage by security and the show continues to go on. In an interview with Hollywood, with the Hollywood Reporter, the... In an interview with the Hollywood in the Hollywood Reporter, the Grammy women, the Grammy winner, hold on, the Grammy, the Grammy winning songstress opened up about the triggering incident. Hmm. Um, end quote, I'm great. My entire team is great. 
she told the publication there was an altercation in the audience between a man and a woman that i could tell from my viewpoint on stage it was heating up as i was attempting to get security's attention to ask them to de-escalate it and unfortunately they weren't able to fully understand what i was asking them to do and i did everything i could after seeing him strike her to prevent her from being hit again she continued hang on a second she continued um it was it was tr very triggering for me to see a woman be assaulted by a man but i thank god that we were able to prevent it from going further than it did and everyone made it home safe monica told the publication that she wants consequences to act accordingly while enjoying shows and says that the only thought she had in the moment was making sure the female consigore was safe. It was only in my mind to protect and serve and be there for this woman that I could see from the stage, she said. Oof. Hmm. During an appearance on CNN, Monica spoke more about the incident and shared that she wasn't worried about a viral moment as she wants to make sure her concerts are a safe space for all of her fans. I, hold on a second. I do not know if I couldn't ever imagine being on stage again if someone was hurt in a very serious manner at a concert she said that is supposed to be a place of joy and fun and i just pray that people start to govern themselves better better there i think there is a lot to be learned from our side as far as security goes Hold on a second here. This one where security goes. Okay, so the venue side as far as security goes because ultimately it is the venue's responsibility to try and keep them safe but i just did not want to see someone harmed in a manner that would not allow them to make it back home to their families and that can very that can very oh boy very easily happen when you are fighting 
at a concert. Hmm. The love all over me singer referenced the recent incidents at um concerts where artists have been struck with objects on stage reiterating the importance of people making sure they are behaving while at shows i've seen singers being struck with items at concerts i think the overall conversation needs to be not just about this one this one incident Yeah, not just not just not just this one incident. Um wait a second. Um where is it? Not just this one incident, but about the actions and behaviors when these festivals When these festivals and concerts are happening, she said, she added, it is all dangerous for us, for the concert goers, and that is not the way it is supposed to be. You're supposed to be having a good time. Everyone is supposed to make it back home to their families. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I actually agree with this. Let's see. All right, I'm about to make some noise for Monica for being a hero in this. Um, yeah, she's a hero in this though. Let me make some noise.
um, all right. So let's get to. All right, let's get to. Let's get to the nocturnal story. Okay, so on July 20th, Beats revealed its newest headphones called Beats Studio Pro. The latest product symbolizes symbolize the iconic accessories 15th anniversary. In celebration of Studio Pro's launch, Beats made a new commercial in partnership with with um the hell. Made new partnership. Hold on a second. Made new partnership um, with Grammy Award winning artist ASAP Rocky, <laughs> aka Late Rocky. <laughs> the, <laughs> okay. The video titled Iconic Sounds marked his directorial debut in a major. Major commercial. The short heavily featured high and en- his high energy music. In a medium profile shot, the rapper wore Beats headphones. He sat next to the headphone. To the he sat next to the microphone. Rihanna asked him to buy diapers for their toddler. In the proceeding shots, ASAP Rocky prepared to go out. Um, he tied his boots and, and put a scarf on his head in close-up profile shots. He put on the Beats headphones, then the commercial showed a New York City-inspired neighborhood. Ace Rocky ran with the hell? Okay, um, let me see. Um, let me see. Let me see. Yes, he tied his um, you know, saying, yes, he tied his um boots and put a scarf on his head and a close up profile shots. He put on the Beats headphones. Then the commercial showed a New York City inspired neighborhood. Ace Iraqi ran with other men in white shirts. They passed a hotel from the music video for Don't Be Dumb. The short um, showed an arcade barbershop and exterior and the exterior of of RJ record store. Soon the rapper hopped over the hood of a yellow taxi cab after he ran into RJ Bodega. Quickly he purchased a package of RG's RG's um diapers. Then he dashed back out. A group of paparazzi followed him home. Oh boy. Um 
In his apartment, he placed the package of diapers on the table. He exhaled and put on the Beats headphones again. The short transition to a close-up of the headphones. The sandstone Beats spun 30, 160 degrees. The color popped against the black background. ASAP Rocky's music um, played a key role in Beats' promotional video. His latest single, Riot, played in the short. Pharrell Williams produced the track. The single will appear on ASAP Rocky's upcoming and highly anticipated album. The rapper discussed his ab admiration for Beats. I've been a fan of Beats since the beginning, so this has been a single. Hold on a second. This has been a. This has been a full circle experience, said Asa Rocky. He mentioned his inspiration as well. He said, I had a vision in mind for this project, and they provided the space for me to zone in and fully express my creativity. Customers can buy the Beat Studio Pro at Apple and authorized resellers in the U.S., Canada, Germany, and France for $349.99. The product comes in four colors, navy, sandstone, deep brown, and black. The release followed, followed Beats' other promotional video. The Still Iconic video campaign highlighted Beats' legacy. It depicted the brand's evolution into a cultural phenomenon. The short featured a variety of international icons. Beats' co-founder, Dr. Dre, narrated the short. Bronny James, Colin Kaepernick, Eminem, and Serena Williams appeared in the video. LeBron James, Naomi Osaka, Sabrina Ionescu, and Jalen Hurts appeared as well. Apple recently sent us a pair of the headphones to try for ourselves. Below are a few of the feature, the features, the new Beats Boost. The Beats have the Beats Studio Pro is definitely an exceptional upgrade on the Beats Solo Wireless. The headphones fit snugly around my ears and they truly block out all the outside noise. I was able to immerse myself, immerse myself in whatever I was listening to. Um, and uh, listening to calls, the headphones helped me stay focused. I love the smooth and attractive design. They are the most comfortable Apple headphones on the market. I like that they are padded all around the audio has depth depth and the surround sound is impressive users can also switch to transparency mode which lets the sounds of your environment mix um seem seamlessly with your music when you want to stay present and aware the headphones have Approximately 40 hours of battery life and 
between charting and when you are low, when you are low on power, a quick 10 minute fast fuel charge provides up to four hours of playback. Okay, interesting. Okay, um, sorry about that. Um, all right. Okay, next we have next we have Lotto. Yeah, we're gonna get to Lotto. Hang on a second. Yeah, we're gonna get to Lotto right now. Okay, according to Hip Hop DX, Lotto has brought the heat to Wingstop by introducing her new lemon herb remix meal for all the wing lovers of the world. Um, on Monday, July 17th, the restaurant franchise took to its Instagram page to announce the tasty news with a trailer that features the big energy artist securing the bag or meal for her closet homegirls. In the trailer, her mega hit put put it on the floor can be heard playing in the background. Who's ready for Lotto's Lemon Herb remix? Pull up to Wingstop today. Um, Wingstop captioned its post along with the emojis. The Lotto meal comes with 21 wings and customers can choose from three flavors according to wingstop's official website the meal also comes with two large fries and dips lotto's lemon or remix itself is a twist on the food chain's regular um um of course the lemon pepper flavor except her specific flavor is with garlic. Um, to order the lotto meal, just how I do, go with all flats in my signature, my signature flavor, and all the ranch. The rest, superstar said in a statement. On the music side of things, Lotto and Jung Cook has shattered multiple Spotify records with their upbeat with new collaboration seven. Last weekend, chart data reported that Lotto and the BTS singer's new song debuted at number one on the global Spotify chart with 15.995 million streams. Seven broke the record for biggest opening day for a collaboration 
in the platform's chart history and became the biggest global um, Spotify chart streaming debut for a song by a K-pop act since BTS's 2021 record, Butter. Butter had 11.042 million filtered global streams on its release day, according to Variety. Also, while Lotto nabbed the biggest streaming debut for any rapper in global history, global Spotify history, Jungkook became the first K-pop act to go number one in U.S. Spotify chart history and the first Korean soloist in history to debut in the top spot of the global Spotify chart. Lotto previously celebrated her individual feat on Twitter by shouting our BTS fan base for the love and recognition on the single. Shout out to the Army Pots casino slot emoji, bunny emoji, celebration face emoji, bottle pop emoji, she wrote. Okay. All right. Um. All right, let's go to, we're going to go to Nas real quick. All right, we're going to go to Nas. Um, Nas has sparked both excitement and confusion among his fans after posting the cryptic teaser on Instagram. The Queensbridge, the Queensbridge rap legend quietly cleared his IG page on Wednesday, July 12th before uploading a brief and mysterious video of a storm sans a caption. <clears throat> a 10-second clip... Um, 10-second clip contains little more than rainfall and thunder sounds, along with flashing light, flashing lightning that briefly illuminates the sky, the cloudy sky, to reveal an image of Nas Giant and logo. With the post lacking any sort of explanation, fans were left to speculate what it might mean and may many seem to think a new Nas album is on the horizon. Please tell me another album is coming. One fan excitedly wrote in the comment section while another predicted Escobar season begins. <clears throat> yeah. Escobar season begins. Um... Hit Boy, the Grammy-winning producer behind Nas' last four albums, seemingly hinted that he may be involved in whatever whatever is coming by, commenting dark mode and leaving three fire emojis. Fans have good reason to believe a new Nas album might be around the corner after it was re recently reported that a fourth installment in his acclaimed King's Disease series is in the works. The cat was let out of the bag in 50 Cent's interview with Billboard in February, in which he discussed his impending musical comeback, ever-expanding multimedia empire, and the 20th, 20th anniversary of his blockbuster debut album, Get Rich or Die Trying, among other topics. The publication noted that in addition to working on a new solo album with Eminem and 
Dr. Dre, the G-Unit mogul is set to make a rare appearance on Nas' forthcoming King's Disease 4 LP. If so, it would mark the Queen's New York native's first collaboration in over two decades following Too Hot and Who You Rep With from 50s 2002 mixtape Guess Who's Back. Nas added fuel to the fire, the fire last month when he revealed that he's back in the studio and currently in uh, a creative growth spurt. I'm in one of these creative growth spurts, he told Vanity Fair. It's something that I'm really excited about. And it surprises me, but I'm not too, too surprised because I was also waiting for the day that I felt like this again, and I knew it would it would come. When asked about his King's Disease series with Hit Boy and if he plans to continue adding to it, he shared that he really enjoys the constant flow of music and doesn't want to stop it once it's flowing the way it's flowing. It's it feels very free, and I just want to see what happens as I stick to it, he explained. And I've been sticking to it, and it's been my whole life now. Life, if I'm recording, I don't do anything else, really. It hasn't been this way for me for about, for probably 20 years. Damn. I think that's what I think today. Maybe tomorrow I think about, well, actually accurately seven years or since I've been really in the studio, but when it comes in my head now, it's been that long, 20 years, that momentum. That momentum has certainly been evident since the release of King's Disease 3 last November, with Nas recently making two blockbuster cameos on Metro Boomers across the Spider-Verse cut Nas Morales and his On My Soul collaboration with Toby um, in Wigwee and Jacob Banks from the Transformers Rise of the Beast soundtrack. Okay, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see.
one more topic before we even get to the other segments. Um, J. Cole um, has tipped his hat to the current crop of female rappers who he says are responsible for some of the best and most exciting moments in hip-hop right now. The Dreamville leader made the comments in a sit-down with Kevin Hart for his Heart to Heart show on Peacock, where he shared his thoughts on the current state of hip-hop. I think it's fire, Cole said. It's a whole different ball game, like a whole different crop of young superstars and styles. I've been feeling this for like maybe a year or two. I hate to say it because it almost sounds like pandering, but I really do like, but I really do think like, man, it's a lot of fire female rappers. I feel like they are doing some of the most exciting stuff commercially they are giving us a lot of fire moments and i feel like that's something that wasn't around when not when we was growing up um he continued He continued, you always had a little, a little Kim, a Foxy Brown, but there could never be more than one, almost, it felt like. Now it's like, bro, we're getting moments and moments and moments. I think it's hard. Female rappers have notably been on a tear these past few years with newcomers like Ice Spice, Glorilla, Lotto, Coyle Ray, Sexy Red, and Scarlet, as well as more established stars like Nicki Minaj, Cardi B, Megan D. Stallion, and City Girls, making big moves for women in hip-hop. J. Cole is hardly the first male rapper to recognize this diva dominance. Lil Baby recently claimed that female rappers are running the game right now, while Lil Durk also crediting them for making the genre fun again. Make hip-hop fun again. We understand everybody got money, but let's fuck them up like <laughs> like we like we was doing shout outs sh shout out the females who have who been working salute keep going up he wrote on instagram last month sweetie previously chimed in on the conversation last november saying that women are running the rap game right now because of the prevalence of violence and disrespect in male music I mean, LA and other cities, it's, it just goes to show that this is the reason why women is running rap and hip hop, she said in an interview with Bootleg Kev, because there's just so much violence and disrespect in the male music. You gotta think, like, remember what it, what was, what was it like 16, 16 to 17? Remember when like YG, Tiger, Chris Brown, Big Sean, T-Fly was out. It was fun, party music. However, Fabulous came out last week said, and said that while he likes seeing so many women thriving in hip-hop, the music they are making often sounds one-dimensional. I love hearing female rappers talking 
some real shit he wrote on his Instagram story. Some are so strong, have so many stories and perspectives that we need to hear in pure form. He continued, no disrespect to any female rappers out there, but I think there's only one style of female rap hip hop being promoted, programmed, and looked at as successful now. In other J. Cole news, the no role models rapper recently linked up with his Dreamville signee Bass for the latter's new track, Passport Passport Bros, which dropped on Friday, July 21st. Yeah, you could you could check out the, the Peacock video of the interview on Instagram on YouTube and everything else in between, all right? Okay, let's get to, all right, let's get to the movies, man. All right, we're gonna get to, Okay. Okay. Now we can go to now we can go to um yes movie man k popcorn man let's do this last week the equalizer was number one on the labor day weekend and the nun two is going to be in first place so let's let's go over those two movies right now Let's go over those two movies, man. For real, for real. So last week, The Equalizer 3 was number one in the box office. So let's get into it right here. 
Um, okay, so, and this is from Deadline. All right, so let's see. So pretty straightforward end of the summer with Sony Eagle Pictures, TSG Escape Artists, Artists, the Equalizer 3, still on track for a $42 million, $42 million plus four-day opening, second best ever for the holiday after Shang-Chi, um, $94.6 million. No melodrama like last weekend when Sony was stuffing substantial advanced previews into Friday and driving Warner Brothers crazy. Boy, that was fun. However, expect other studios to emulate a practice like that again. Not that it was extremely novel. Um, <clears throat> Sony will have another Labor Day opening um, ranking record for the books next year when they finally debuted their Venomverse title, Craven the Hunter, which was originally scheduled to debut this year during the first weekend of October. While there will be business today for movies, it will fall off by around negative um, 30% from Sunday's take for most movies. Sunday was pretty good with most movies seeing single-digit spikes over uh, Saturday or even results. There seems to be a little fight for seventh place with MGM's Bottoms and Warner Brothers' The Mag 2, The Trench, both claiming $3.65 million. Despite the ongoing SAG-AFTRA strike and actors unable to promote, look for this box office rally to continue into next weekend with the Nun 2, which is eyeing a $30 million-plus opening. Warner Brothers typically has had a big horror film in the, in the post-Labor Day space, the last being 2019's It Chapter 2, which debuted to $91 million. They, ha they had James Wan's um, Malignant in 2021, but the pick got lost at the box office as it was day and date in theaters and on HBO Max, opening to a paltry $5.4 million and ending its run at $13.3 million. Previews for None 2 um, starts at 4 p.m. on Thursday, 2018's The None 2 at $53.8 million, clock the fourth highest domestic box office for September. But the best ever in New Lines, The Conjuring Universe, <clears throat> the first None back in 2018 pulled in 49% um, women per cinema score and, and the Hispanic and Latino demo posted some of the best draws in the, in the history of the Conjuring franchise at 35% turnout versus Conjuring's um, 17%. The sequels, 28%. Annabelle's 
Annabelle's 22%, and the sequel, um, 26%. Um, okay, um, let's see. Yes, like I said, man. Um, like I said, Equalizer three took the fir took first place with forty two point twenty five million dollars. Barbie, along with Oppenheimer, have been topping the the top the top two. Um, yeah, Barbie. Uh, what is it? Six hundred. It's already made over a billion dollars already. And um, the Beetle 3, Blue Beetle 3, 58. Hold on. I'm sorry. Okay. So, yeah, as I was saying, um, Yes, Equalizer 3 is in first place for $42.25 million. Barbie in second place already made over a billion dollars already. Um, Blue Beetle, $58.5 million. Gran Turismo, that, that was number one in the box office, made $30.6 million. And this is the second week. Oppenheimer um, made $310.5 million. Number six, number six, obviously Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem only, only lasted about four days, which is uh, $107.77 million. That's week five, actually. Bottoms, number seven. Um, 4.3 million dollars. The Meg 2, the trench, um, 79.1 million dollars. Strays made 21.4 million dollars. Taught to me, uh, 44.5 million dollars. And yeah, all right. Now we go to the nun. Now we go to the nun, too. And I do apologize to you folks out there that was um hearing the knock. That was my mother. Um, anyway, all right. So New Line's Michael Chavez horror sequel, The Nun 2, is meeting its opening weekend expectations with a $32.6 million take, even though that's negative 39% from off from Nun 1's $53.8 million. It's wonky times with the picks lead stars uh Tessa Formiga and Storm Reed and the studio unable to truly splash this event wise etc due to the actors and writer strike <clears throat> the sequel cost 38.5 million dollars before P and A and uh note the three day ease between the openings of the first and second, Annabelle was negative six, while it was 
12% between Blumhouse's uh, first two Purge titles. At the same time, none two's opening isn't that far from the first two Annabelle's Fridays and Fridays through Sundays, $37.1 million and $35 million, respectively. Um, and higher than the threequel Annabelle Comes Home, which posted a $20.2 million three-day and a $31.1 million five-day. Hmm. Um, let's see. Just a second here. So none takes over. So the none takes over. Uh, <clears throat> the none takes over first place. Um, it made thirty-two point six million dollars in its first week. Yes, the Nun 2 takes over first place with $32.6 million in its first week. Equalizer 2, which came out on the Labor Day weekend, is on its second week with $61.9 million. My Fat Greek Wedding um, 3 in third place, which is uh, $10 million. Damn. Um... Jawan, never heard of this, but Jawan um, made $7.5 million. Barbie made $620.4 million. Actually, it made over two, $2 billion. Um, Blue Beetle, in sixth place, actually, made... Admitted a global take of $100 million. Um, Gran Turismo, which was number one in the box office two weeks ago, um, $35.7 million, which is, this is the third week. Um, Oppenheimer, week eight, made $315.1 million. It made more than that, actually, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah, it made more than that. It definitely did make more than that. It definitely did make more than that. Um, oh boy. Yes, it did. It did make more than that. Yes, it did. And um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, Mutant Mayhem made $111.3 million. Bottoms. $7.6 million and kind of rounds up the top 10. All right. All right. Now we go to, now we go to places. Now we are going to go to, um, now we're going to go to remains to be seen regarding the places to, Regarding to 
um, the places to do for the weekend that's coming up in a week. So let's get into it right here. Hang on one second. Yeah, I want to start off with, um, let me see. Let's start off with, um, hang on a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just a second, folks. I'm trying to look for something, actually. All right. Um, all right. Let's get to it right here, right now. Remains to be seen. Remains to be seen, kid. Get it? Remains to be seen. <laughs> you at home? Are you looking for something fun to do for the weekend? I got you, man. First and foremost, let me start with Atlanta. Let me start with Atlanta, though. There is a social death festival. Um, so let's see. So this is going to be... Let me just um, find out who's in it. So, um, Jermaine Dupri hopped on Instagram on Wednesday, August 23rd, to announce that VIP tickets for the upcoming Social Death Festival are on sale while also sharing the lineup for the two-day experience. Escape, uh, which includes Candy Burris, Tiny Harris, and Tamika Scott, The Brat, Jagged Edge, um, Anthony Hamilton, then Franchise Royce, and Young Bloods are among the first round of confirmed performance for the highly anticipated event. Um, however, more guests can be announced in the upcoming weeks, and no, knowing JD, he'll have a surprise or two in store for attendees. And of course, there's more people. Of course, back on a, back on August 13th, the day that marked the label's official 30th anniversary. 
because of the release of Escapes. Escapes kicking it. Um, the acclaimed producer declared and and abbreviated that everybody that's on social death or has ever been on social death will be at the social death festival. You should already know that. He then teased what y'all should be trying to figure out is which artists that are not on social death that I produce will be there. Bow Wow, Bow Wow, Bone Crusher, DJ Nabs, TLC, Ari Lennox, Monica, Monica, Mariah Carey, Usher, and Janet Jackson can all possibly make surprise appearances. JD told Revolt in July. That's going to be how I keep my festival different than everybody's. If I didn't produce you or haven't worked with you in some type of capacity, then you, you won't be able to be on my show. The dates for Social Death Festival is from October the 7th to the 8th are perfectly sandwiched between the end of Usher's Paris residency and his return to Las Vegas, so it's likely the king of R&B may slide through with a quick set. The, the festival will take place at Atlanta's Central Park Rain or Shine when Social Death celebrated its 25th anniversary in 2018. JD picked JD kicked off a tour with many of the aforementioned lineup, though a Social Death Bad Boy versus was previously announced back in May between the pre and Diddy. There was there has been no formal confirmation since the battle was rumored, was rumored to take place in September at Madison Square Garden, which never happened. Okay, it's never happened. All right, so <laughs> it's never happened, man. Let's not. It's never happened. So let's see. Um. Yes. So things to do. Let me go to things to do for LA. Let me go to things to do for LA, actually. Hold on a second. Uh-huh. All right. Um, of course. Sorry about that. Hang on. All right. So, all right. So, for the people that's living in LA, I got some fun activities for you. Um, for the weekend. Um, let me see. Um, let me see. Let me see. I'm trying to look for something that's fun. Let's see. All right, so K Tremaine. All right, so collaborations for the past decade. Dan Dancy um producer K Tronada 
and quirky MC um Amine make it official as make it official as um K Tremin with this shared date at the Greek. Hmm. Okay, which takes place at Giffen Park, September 20 no September 16th. Um and we have the Sunset and Vinyl Market, which is happening September September 17th. September 17th is when it's happening. You pick up pick a 50th anniversary merch from the Roxy and per use crates of records during this shopping event next to the Sunset Strip. Sunset and Vinyl features a pop-up from the Rainbow Bar and Grill and Donuts and Coffee from Holy Grail, plus booths from local stores like Record Safari, Deadly Wax, Boogie Maru, Sounds, Audio Fillet, USA, Shattered Music, <laughs> um, Galaxy Music, and, and Street Records. Okay. Oh boy. Okay. Um Okay, I'm going to skim through all the places, right? I'm going to skim through all the places, man. All right. Um for LA and then I'm going to go to New York. All right. Um So let's see, let's see, let's see. <laughs> um, Octoberfest at Grand Central Market takes place from September 16th to October the 1st. Um, This year, the downtown's Grand Central Market is starting its very first Oktoberfest, complete with live entertainment, traditional contests, and German-style brews from Paulana Hofbrau and Golden Road Brewing. Of course, this weekend, buy a $15 ticket to gain entry to the event or upgrade with the $25 special entry ticket which includes a souvenir boot plus your first beer vendors will also be offering Oktoberfest food specials um yeah all right and um let's see what else um let's see What the hell? Bob Barker's Halloween Spectacular takes place September 16th through November the 5th of this year. Um, so you got that. So you got the Roxy 50 years on the Sunset Strip. Um and um Halloween Horror Nights is until the 31st. And 
course, for you at home, at home in the California areas, the website is www.timeout.com slash um slash things to do in Los Angeles. Slash things to do in Los Angeles, actually. Um, hold on a second. Yeah. And let me get to all right, let me get to New York. Let me get to New York. All right. Things to do in New York. I got you. Um, let's see. We have we have Wine Cave Wednesdays, September 27th through November 8th. Free movies at Hudson Yards, which includes, of course, Miss Congeniality, September 22nd. Um, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, September 29th, Crazy Stupid Love, October 6th, What a Girl Wants, October 13th, Practical Magic, October 20th, The Witches, and October 27th, Tim Burton's Corpses, Corpse, Tim Burton's Corpse Bride. All right, so let's see, what else? Yes, free admission to Hip Hop Till Infinity at Hall Des Lumiere's, um, which takes place. Which takes place. Um, wait a second. So let me see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The immersive exhibit is now open in Lower Manhattan with tickets available through September seventeenth. Um, tickets start at forty forty two dollars per person. And special this week, get free admission on Thursday, September 14th, which is today, in honor of the venue's first birthday. Be sure to book online in advance here. Um, let's see. You got Vegan Night, Vegan Night Market, which takes place in Central Park Festivals, um, and which takes place until October 31st of this week. Um, so actually, so actually, um, yeah, it's free to enter. It's a free entry. So the market's hosted by MHG Events, who also run the Uptown Brooklyn and Bronx Night Markets. And um, not sure what this is about, but the Feast of San Gennaro. Um, so the festival runs from September 14th to the 24th in Little Italy. Of course, it has glorious foods and all that good stuff right there. Um, festival parades, all that great stuff right there. Uptown Night Market um, is included from September 14th September 14th um, and October 12th. So it's Thursday of this month through October of the 12th of next month. So there you have it right there. And um, the Great Jack-O-Lantern Blaze, um, September 15th through November 19th. Ticket starts at $37 for, adult, 
for adults and $29 for children 3 to 17 and are free for children 2 and under. Damn. And, of course, there's some other stuff that's included. Um. All right. Like I said, man, for everyone that's that's in California and New York City, if you like to check out some fun activities to do for the weekend, you can check out you can check out www.timeout.com. That's www.timeout.com. So you can slash things to do for the weekend. All right. So there you have it. There you have it right there. Um, one more thing I want to add. There's one more place I want to add to actually. If it's one more place I need, I need to add actually. One more place. Um, it's one more place I need to add actually. Hang on one second. One second. Um, actually, two more places. Actually, so Queens Night Market is is open for fall season on September sixteenth. Of course, obviously, um, this takes place in Flushing Meadows Corona Park. On September 16th for the fall season, it will be opening every Saturday from 5 p.m. to midnight until October 28th, when the season concludes with a Halloween theme event. Um, so yeah, the Queens Night Market has um, welcomed more than two million visitors since it debuted in 2015, and everything and everything else. So, um. Let me see. I mean, it's not market. Let me see. If there's a. If there's any tickets? Yes. Yeah, so the address is forty-seven dash zero one one eleven Street, Corona, New York one one three six eight. Let me see their website. Um. There's any information. I don't think there's any. Uh, um, This gotta be a free event. Anyway. Anyway, there's another there's another thing that um there's another place that I should actually mention too. Um now before I even go into the next and last one, um <clears throat> If you want more information, you can go to their website on Instagram. You can go to the website on that page, which is Queens Night Market, which is www.queensnightmarket.com for more information on directions on how to get there. 
and and hopefully hopefully i don't know home for more information i don't know if there's going to be hang on a second here i don't think wait a minute this might be oh shit yeah this might be a free market um now you you can take a look for yourself this might be a free thing um anyway another um another thing that's happening on friday september 29th um is the hip hop it's this hip hop symposium which is um which is which is basically um includes hip hop and civics hip hop and hip hop behind the curtain and this is restoration restoration um presents brooklyn rocks which is the 50th which um includes the 50th anniversary 50th um celebration um which is uh journey through hip hop of course and this is from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Billy Holiday Theater. At the party is hosted by Uncle Ralph McDaniels, a video music box of the Restoration Lobby. And, and of course, you want to RSVP because, because the seats are limited. And this takes place, I think, in Best-Buy, Brooklyn. So for you Brooklyn, Brooklyn Knights out there that's looking for something to do, um yes so and also another also another date to consider is is um the music festival which takes place on saturday september 30th 2023 yes 2023 uh, which includes dj trauma stretch armstrong Stretch Armstrong and Mr. C Vendor Village hip hop activations, art installations, roller skating rink, and more. And yes, so it's all presented by Power One Five Point One, and of course, Video Music Box. Um, of course, includes Uncle Ralph McDaniel's. So y'all want to just go ahead and check check it out for yourselves, man. All right. I can go check it out for yourselves though. So you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, there you go right there, man. There you go right there. And like I said, like I said, go to www.timeout.com slash things to do um for the weekend. And it's gonna have the dates of um the 15th through the 17th i believe yes yes you can check that out for yourselves for you in california and nyc and of course like i said there's like i said in case you didn't know um about the places i just mentioned um you can listen to this episode um when this is uploaded and posted to every streaming platform whatsoever all right 
So that's gonna do it. That's gonna do it right here, man. We're gonna get to the very last thing of this of this um episode right here. The very last thing, man. We need to get to the last thing, man. Let's do it. Let's do this. Let's do this. Stream choices on the go, man. Stream choices on the go, man. Let's do this. All right, folks. Um, listen, please go ahead and follow follow off the Meat Rat Chains New York Avenue podcast. Of course, the username is off the Meat Rat Chains NY podcast. Of course, which is on Facebook Threads, alongside with Instagram. And also, you can follow my other two podcast shows that I do, which is Excellent Fun Vibrant Talks Podcast, the sports platform that I do, the review show, Meticulous Vodges Podcast, and myself, G Money Stacks, Triple Five in Queens, New York. All right. Turn your notifications. Do the same for threads. I will be doing some postings over there as well. And of course, by the way, if you miss any, if by the way, um, you can go to the link in bio, and it's gonna say Linktree slash G Money Stacks Triple Five, and you're gonna see a whole list of audio streaming platforms include included, um, such as, such as, um, Audacity, Audible. Audio Burst, Amazon Music, Breaker, Bullhorn FM, um, Castbox FM, Deezer, Listen Notes, Moon FM Podcast, um, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Podbay, Podfriend, Podfriend, Podopolo, Podorama, Podcast Index, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Podverse, Podcast Guru, Podvine, um, snipped S N I P D Spotify, Spotify for podcasters, tune in radio, iHeart radio, tune in radio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, iHeart radio, the number one Afro music radio and podcast. And, and be sure to subscribe to all the streaming platforms that I just mentioned, including following the other podcast shows that I just mentioned that's on Instagram that's also on iHeartRadio as well and um, do the same for YouTube go ahead and grab that make sure you grab that subscribe button for me on the YouTube channel pages of course Meticulous Vodges Podcast Excellent Fun Vibrant Talks Podcast the sports YouTube channel page and the primary handle of this channel right here G Money Stacks Triple, triple Five Click on the Noni Noni bell alongside with alerts so you can be reminded and reminded of when the show goes on the air via live, live stream. And, of course, more live video content, previous episodes, new episodes. Leave a like and a comment along with the topics that's being discussed. Listen, stream, watch the episodes. 
um and tell a friend to another friend spread the word word of mouth is important and of course spread the of course share the link that says link tree slash g money stacks triple five along with the podcast with with your husbands your wives your boyfriends girlfriends friends and the people you are cool with from work and any, anywhere else you meet new people all right i'm up out of here I'm your man, G Money Stacks, a.k.a. The Greg in here. Thank you so much for listening to episode 289, titled I Want Candy, dedicated to National Candy Day, which is November 4th, by the way. So keep a lookout on it. I'm up out of here, man. Peace and one love. And don't forget, and also don't forget to um don't forget to be safe out there. Remember, the grind doesn't stop. Hardware pays off. If you want something, you have to work hard and earn it. New York wasn't built in a day. Find and look for something that makes you smile, that gets you on your P's and Q's, creatively, mentally, physically, and spiritually, that gets you into your zone alongside with tunnel vision, all right? I'm out of here. Peace and one love. And if you miss any of the announcements of places to do in 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 California and New York, and along with um, places in Brooklyn and the Queens um, Night Market, Bronx Night Market, Brooklyn Night Market, you can listen to this episode right here on streaming platforms as it gets uploaded and stuff like that. All right, so. So that's it, man. Peace and one love. Good night, everybody. Yo, what's up, everyone at home? You want to hear more from me? I need your help on a couple of things. Go follow Off the Meat Rat Chains New York Avenue podcast on Facebook, Threads, and Instagram. Tap on the notifications so you can know when I will be on Instagram live recording podcast episodes. Plus, you can do the same with YouTube on my channel, G Money Stacks Triple Five. Grab the subscribe button for more live video episodes. Click on the notification bell and alerts as reminders of the date, day, and time when each episode recording will be on the air via live stream. 
You can also share your thoughts on the topics of each episode in the comments section. If you miss any new or previous episodes, don't worry. You can catch up in my link tree slash gmoneystacks555 with the links to listen, stream, and watch on every streaming platform, including Spotify for Podcasters, formerly known as Anchor, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Also, you can download and add the podcast to your playlist of your favorite episodes. I'm your man, G Money Stacks, a.k.a. The Greganator. Thank you so much for, for tuning in, listening, streaming, rocking with me, and watching me on the podcast. One love. Peace out.